Blog Talk Radio. Kingway Fox Beard Locker's acting very weird Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh Four Drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex that, you has had enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. But that song is time for another awesome episode of Trek Talking. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and with me as usual are my Trek experts. We'll start out with Eric. Eric's out in Portland. How you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing great, man. It is another great day in Portland. We got a little bit of drizzle, a little bit of springtime popping. Daffodils are up. Uh, everything is turning green. It's it's amazing. I love this time of year. Love this time of year. And and I'm gorging on Trek. Woo! We got another double feature tonight, so that's pretty cool. We also have with us Charles. Charles is on Las Vegas. How you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. <coughs> Sorry, another beautiful day, except. Pollen is flying like crazy. Yeah, we get that. Uh, we get that. It's yeah. I'll tell you, it's beautiful here in Vermont. I was up on the roof changing filters with my partner, watching all the geese fly back home, and it was 60 degrees and sunny, and just up there on my t-shirt, feeling that warm sun on my face after the we had a foot of snow last week, and uh, wow, I'm ready to trek talk though. It's going to be a great show. So listen, guys, our phone number here is 646-668-2433. We'll be here live for the next two hours, and we've got a great show planned for you tonight. This is episode 398, and we're going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery uh, Species 10C, last week's episode, and Star Trek Picard Pennant, last week's episode. But wait, there's more. Uh, Craig Spurrier and Spencer Brewer from Star Trek Wines are going to join us for our fifth of six fireside chats. Eric and Paul will pop the cork on a bottle of Chateau Picard, Old Vine, uh, old vine nope. Ziffindel. Nope. It's the Bordeaux. Right? Nope, it's the Bordeaux. Oh, bo- the Chateau Picard oh, is the, the Bordeaux. Bo- oh, the, see, I'm not a wine guy. That's what I got you here for. So, uh, yeah, okay. That's, see, that's right. That's right. And, uh, they're going to give us a good review about that, and we'll talk about the bottle and what went into creating that with the wine producers themselves. And we also have our Star Trek birthdays, fan shout-outs, and dun-dun-dun, breaking news, there's a new Captain Kirk on the block. He used to be a vampire. Now he's a Starfleet officer. <laughs> We're going to talk about that a little bit later. So we have a lot to cover tonight, guys. As I said, our phone number is 646 668 Two four three three. Give us a call. The big news I want to say thank you to all you guys uh, is we not only broke one hundred thousand downloads, we almost got eleven hundred. We got one hundred thousand nine hundred and seventy 
downloads of the podcast wow. last week. So thank you so much for making that possible. That's just incredible. So thank you so much, guys. And uh, we have 88,509 followers on our Facebook page. You guys can head over there to Trek Talking and Beyond. Spell that all out. And at the top of the page, you'll see the Live Long and Prosper symbol. Just tell us where you're listening from. And each and every week, yours truly, Uncle Jim, will pick 15 lucky listeners. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, that means you've been picked and your name will be featured in a fan shout-out. So, Eric, let's start off with our fan shout-outs. Who you got on your list this week? Oh, I've got a friend from the great state of Oregon, Belinda McCormick Andrews. Thank you for listening to us. And uh, you know what I'm saying about Oregon, right? Yep. Belinda, (laughs) thank you so much. We really appreciate your support. We're also saying hello this week to Alexander Bronenberg from Landegraaf in the Netherlands. We have lots and lots of folks who listen to us uh, from Holland. We really, really appreciate all of your support. Alexander, thank you for listening. We're also saying hello this week to Iwan Kartawijaja from Indonesia. We actually have quite a few listeners in Indonesia, too. So, Iwan, maybe you're friends with some of those folks, although it is a big country. Thank you for listening, Iwan. We're also saying hello this week to Richard Ragu Barsing from Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, I looked back in time once. Once upon a time, we had somebody from Trinidad and Tobago but Richard, you are the second. So thank you so much for supporting us from that, uh, that amazing piece of land in the middle of a big, big ocean. And we're also saying hello this week to Stanislaw Paleski from Poland, my friend. Your country is doing some good work right now in the world. Stanislaw, thank you for listening to us. Charles, who is on your list this week? Well, let's start off with Julie Chase from Oklahoma. Michelle Colwin from Milan, Italy. Joanne Mantel from another one from Poland. Thank you. Top fan, yes. Top fan, Bradley Morgan from Alberta, up in Canada. And Rusty Bang from. Man, Ari looks like Louisiana. Oh, I bet you get some pretty good food over there. Mm-hmm. Jim, how about you? Hey, so I want to spend a, a definite thank out. Uh, what is wrong with me? My, I'm uh, having trouble reading it's for some Jim, reason. You're, I, you're old and senile. It's okay. We forgive you. I, yes, I'm old and senile. That happens. I gotta, I gotta blow up my phone so I can read it. There we go. So I'd like to say thank you to Albert Roy from Crowley, Texas. We'd like to say thank you to Stefan Kasky from Wollongong, Australia, the land down under. Wonder if he knows that guy. He probably the dude, does. He, he's got to know the, the dude. dude. We all know the dude. I'm, I'm hoping one day the dude calls back. Um, Please. We'd also like to say. Thank you so much for listening to Stuart Sumter from Peterburg in England, Glenn Robinson from Indiana, USA. And last but definitely not least, we'd like to say thank you so much to Sarah Wilkins, who resides in New Hampshire, for listening to us. We appreciate it. As I said earlier, our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Head over to our Facebook page. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Tell us where you're from. If you see a heart next to your name, 
You'll be mentioned in a future fan shout-out. Well, we still got a lot to talk about, guys. Coming up next, we're going to have Greg Spurrier uh, from Star Trek Wines to discuss the Star Trek Wine Collection in our fifth of six fireside chats. We're also going to have Eric and Paul popping the cork on Chateau Picard, so you definitely don't want to miss that. We'll be right back after this quick message. Trek Talking, all things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. We're going to talk about something we know you're going to love. Star Trek Wines. We've been following Star Trek Wines since they launched about four or five years ago. Every year they come out with two new and authentic products. Fans of the original series, Deep Space Nine, The Next Generation, and the new Picard series will recognize several of these amazing Star Trek Wines from each series. The entire Star Trek Wines collection celebrates some of Star Trek's most enduring legacies, Jean-Luc Picard, the Klingon Empire, Cardassian Culture, and the United Federation of Planets. Right now, Star Trek Wines is featuring its full collection, all six bottles in an interplanetary six-pack called the Full Armada, a must-have for any Star Trek fan. Over the next six weeks, we're going to sample and explore each wine and talk to the creators about how they put these wines together. These wines are rich in detail, including individually numbered bottles, hand-wax-dipped enclosures, 3D-rendered bottles created from the original props used on the shows, and even a blue Chardonnay. Liner notes crafted by writer Una McCormick for historical accuracy are all part of the package. The elegant Chateau Picard Old World French Cru Bordeaux is produced by and imported from the real Chateau Picard in France. Over the next few weeks, we'll be sampling and reviewing the full collection, as well as looking into the newest wines just released in 2021. An Andorian Blue Special Reserve Chardonnay, which features a United Federation of Planets metal medallion, silk screen designs, and a stellar blue wine sought after throughout the galaxy. We'll also do a deep dive in the legendary Cardassian Canar, long considered one of the Holy Grail collectibles in the Star Trek universe. So join us as we go behind the scenes with the team behind Star Trek Wines. Welcome to the United Fermentation of Planets, where no glass has gone before. Of course, there must be a special guest there. Yes, I was hoping you had one of these. <laughs> so, of course, we have Captain Picard from All Good Things here in his vineyard hat. I love it. That is amazing. He looks really cool. Is this also a Playmates figure? It is, of course. Uh-huh. He's got his suspender braces on and his hat, his sun hat. He does. And uh, as these Playmates figures had, I love this articulation at the bicep, too. That's one of those. Cool I know. That's not too shabby. The extra things that you get around. I think uh, old John Luke might be missing something here, though. Let's see what we can do about that. Oh, there we go. Man is at the end of his work day, and he is now ready to... Time to try the fruits of my labors. That's right. Enjoy the fruits <laughs> of his labors. 
sitting in his chair talking to Laris. Although not in all good things, but of course yeah. in the most recent iteration. Yeah. <laughs> he's been busy trying to convince Jordy that he's not out of his mind. Are you okay, Captain? He's like, I'm just so confused. I don't know what's happening. I keep seeing the jury from a pilot episode. All right, man. I'm excited. Can I check out this uh, label? Yeah. So because this is the McCoy here. This is the, if you'll pardon the expression, this is the real deal here from uh, from Bordeaux, right? From uh, Saint Estef. That's right. Uh, uh, Chateau Picard, um, and you can you can probably read the French better than I can. But Bor, I will you explain just a little bit about? I know a little bit about Bordeaux being a a type of wine, but more in a location in France. Right. right. So if memory serves, it's like let's see, I got my compass in my head here. Like in the southwestern coast, okay. right, would be where Bordeaux is, and then within Bordeaux, there is like a subregion that's the Medoc. Okay. Okay. And if I'm, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I, I'm mem- going off memory here. Yep. And then within the Medoc, there is uh, Saint Estef. Ah. Okay. So that's where that region is there. And then you've got all these different. Second, uh, like late 1800s, if I remember, they basically came through and said, okay, these are going to be what we consider the high echelon premier crew type. You know. Uh, growing classifications and then there's going to be the the really good ones below the ultimate level and that's the 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 with this crew bourgeois okay uh, that's what that is basically okay. so it's like really awesome not the plateau of like you know hey here's an 800 dollar bottle of Bordeaux, you know it's just, okay. but it's in that you know high quality uh and this is like a real vineyard, right? Yeah, they lent their their name. I think so. To uh, that's that's my understanding. There is a Chateau Picard. There's several Chateau Picards, I think, throughout France. But this one's in Saint Joseph, and I think they were there long before. You know, Gene Roddenberry was like, "Hey, what if we had another sequel?" Oh, interesting. <laughs> I think it's been there for for a while, and they lent their name out. I, I believe, I mean, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah. uh, and then they've got the. You know, Labar, they've added on there, right? Yes. Uh, for it, which is, yeah, go ahead. The lecture thing there from where the vineyard is, where you see in... Uh, and it has the, this is the only bottle that we've seen that has a vintage on it, but the vintage is 2386. 2386. So <laughs> it, it will be made. Future forward. In three, in 200. Excellent. Just comforting <laughs> to know there is a 2386. <laughs> oh, and there's a quote on the back from Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Uh... They say a vintner's history is in every glass. The soil he came from, his past, hopes for the future, so to the future. Ah, oh, very nice. Excellent. Captain Jean-Luc Picard's family roots are in France's premier wine country, where the Picard family cultivated the land and crafted premium French wine since late 20th century. Chateau Picard was well known throughout the galaxy. This elegant bottle you now hold in your hands is created in honor of the legendary Captain Picard and was created at the actual Chateau Picard in the heart of Saint-Estef, France, by its third-generation winemakers. The wine is 85% Cabernet, 15% Merlot blend. Okay. There we go. Oh, my goodness. That sounds amazing.
would you like me to open? Please or, do. I please do. would be thrilled to. Yeah. Thrilled to. So where does our QR code take us? Uh, That's what I wanted to find out, right? It looks like it is uh, referencing... Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's referencing Crew Bourgeois. It is. Right? Okay. And it's in totally in France, in French. Oh, wow. So it takes you right to their website. Yeah. Accepter la cookies. <laughs> I would like to, uh, and I'm not going to install crypto. Sorry, French friends, but uh, that's not going to happen. So, uh, yeah, it's it's very, very interesting. But I'm going to leave that alone. And uh, this feels like it's a, a, a no... Uh, Trekology icons on the uh, no, just on the top up. of the of the seal of the yeah. cap. Yeah. Basically, we just got a nice wine grape. Even on the uh, on the lid. Oh, and we have a vintage, Captain. Oh, we do. Twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen. Wow. Wow. I was told there'd be no math, but I'm pretty sure that's like what is that? Five years. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably just hitting the sweet spot. Right wow. That is just going to be outstanding. So delighted to see that on the top of the cork, 2017. Oh my gosh, that is fun. That see, that's brilliant. Putting the vintage right on the cork. I love it. Okay, here we go. We have a cork, and it says Chateau Picard on it, and it's got the uh, kind of a, uh, it looks like a coat of arms with like a pair of standing. I think they're either swans or flamingos. I can't really tell. But they uh, are on either side of the coat of arms. It says uh, the subregion below, St. Estef. And I'm guessing that's a winemaker signature. Whoa. That is cool. It's like Mahler Bossi or something? Yeah, maybe he's a doctor because his signature is kind of... It looks very doctor. It's a <laughs> nice signature. <laughs> Beautiful, but you can only half read it. Yeah, it's, uh, you know... I think it's Mahler Bossi or something like that. Yeah. We'll find out. Must be a winemaker. And then there's a coding number on there, too. But wow. uh, but really, really nice. Give that a whiff. Let's see how that strikes you. So we don't have to be psychic or geniuses to know that if this is 2017, this is going to take a little bit of time to open up, mm -hmm. and it's going to change dramatically over the course of, like, say, an hour. Oh. Look at that color. Oh, that's beautiful. Wow. Outstanding color. Look at that. Oh, man. That's really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Deep purple. Yeah red color. Like, like rich prunes or plums. Like yeah. a dark, you know, uh, resiny purple. Just beautiful. Not even purple, but just, just dark red. Dark, dark red. Yeah, super, super dense looking. Just wonderful. Uh, really nice legs slipping around the entire rim of the glass there. Yeah, I'm trying to see what I like. I'm almost getting like... I think it's almost like a smoky hint that I'm getting. Like almost like a, like, I hesitate to say like a tobacco tinge, but like a, it, it could be from the oak. I think I read that this is that's like what? Asian oak, so maybe it's like seasoned oak. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're tasting. A little bit of that in the back. It's probably going to get more pronounced, I guess, as long as this is open. But very dry. Yeah. Very dry. That is 
interesting to me because when I first smelled the cork, I thought I smelled some kind of like sweet fruitiness, but it's not. The wine doesn't read that way no. at all to me. No. It's, it's very like down to earth. No. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not like a big. I mean, there's Merlot for sure, right? But oh yeah. It's not like yeah, you know. Well, the the Merlot I'm really appreciating because it's. I feel like it's it's adding to the complexity of it for sure, and it's. Um, you would never drink this and think it was a Merlot. No. But there's enough in there that if you know what that tastes like, you can taste it. And my guess is the Merlot is probably helping us find this more approachable sooner mm-hmm. without it being open for, you know, 45 minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be really nice. So it makes it a little bit more approachable. And I'm mm-hmm. excited to see where this goes, but delicious. Absolutely delicious. Uh, you, you know, you worry if you say rich that it's going to seem too heavy, but mm-hmm. it's not. It's just beautifully rich. Got really nice body to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, now I'm getting a little tiny. Uh, I'm, I'm maybe it's just having a couple extra sips here. It's trying to just pick up on more, but I'm getting more like, uh, what to me almost tastes like like currants. Okay, I like would, you know, spices or I currants. Could see that. I, my, I kept thinking blackberry, but I didn't want to say berry because yeah. it's not fruit. It's more of a spicy kind of connotation to me. Like yeah. if you had like a, a really amazing. Uh, you know, some kind of a, a good pastry well, with like currants in it or cloves or something like that that has just been, you know, has a little bit of a richer... Wouldn't this be good with a nice pastry, too? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and this is, this, this wants meat. This, 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 this wants, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, vegetarians, but <laughs> this wine really wants meat. It would be spectacular with like yeah. game bird, like if you're having like a Cornish game hen or like, uh, you know, uh, Duck might be a little too rich, mm. but if you're having like something like that, or, or dare I say it, pork. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, mm-hmm. yeah, some pork or some boar, anything like that. We talked about beef, like you know, dried beef before uh, with that last run that we had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is something. This is good stuff. This one I want to take a long time to drink. Yeah. Like, I definitely want to sit down and open this up and let it breathe for a while before yeah. I really start drinking it, and then enjoy it over the course of a meal. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, yeah. Uh, you know, and it's just like you could, you know, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to go back again, but it's just like you could have this with a phenomenal assortment of different kinds of cheeses as well, you know, mm-hmm. to, to go with that. Or if you had, like, a rich sauce, right? Um, we do, like, a steak recipe sometimes with, like, a with like a blue cheese sauce, Ooh. like a butter, blue cheese, butter. Oh, okay. like, it's, like, really intense, right? But, you know, put a lot of, like, peppercorns in there, and it's just, like, nuts. Oh, wow. Like, really, it's rich. But yeah. if with a good piece of meat, with a good steak, oh, my oh, that sounds, that's good. <laughs> that's <not a> <laughs> sounds really good. And buttery and rich, it's just like, <laughs> oh, and, and I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but I like my steak cooked on the, a little on the rare side. Yeah. Like, like yeah. no more than medium rare. But this one here, though, is like, this is a, this is a big, you know, farmhouse, uh, long dinner you know, enjoy it, mm-hmm. savor it, bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like if you're, you know, it's like, I don't know if everyone's going to be looking to get the Armada or if people are looking to track this down individually, but if you can get this individually, I would get many. <laughs> I kind of feel like, yeah, I mean, I wonder yeah. if you can order a case of this. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I have to check it out, but uh, but this is because this is only going to get 
something better. I know that's the thing. Is like and right now, it's like, you know, five years. What's it like in ten? I can't even, I mean, it's just gonna, it's gonna be like, yeah. Yeah, but there's some stuff going on. It's really, really satisfying. And you'll enjoy it today, tomorrow, five years from now, ten years from now, and likely 25 years from now if you store it properly. Um, I do feel like this is the one that, out of all the ones we've had so far, that if I was gonna buy a case of wine, this is the one I'd buy a case of. Yeah, but, but friends, if you like a Cabernet, and you like something that's solid and uh, dependable and that you know you can feel really, uh, let's be frank, that's worthy of the name Picard, yeah, right? Because that says a lot. And that's, that's, that's... I do feel like it's worthy of it. Yeah, I feel like that's a name that evokes legacy and dignity Trust. and courage and principle, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's what that name evokes. And I feel like this wine uh, easily rises up to that yeah. and that's 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 no small thing so it was definitely worthy of the legacy of uh, John Luke Picard so well done friends you make us want to go to Bordeaux mm-hmm. you make us want to go to the East Bank so someday someday it'd be great to see you in person that's right but uh, but well done so Cheers, thank friend. you my friend well done And you guys can tune in on Sunday afternoon and hear the full uncut version with Eric and Paul. I'll be uh, broadcasting that at 4.30 on Sunday afternoon. So you'll be able to hear the full uncut unabridged version. But right now we have with us live on the line, Craig Spurrier and Spencer Brewer from Star Trek Wine. How are you guys doing tonight? Great. How are you? I'm not doing too bad. Did, did you uh, hear what Eric and uh, Paul had to say about the Chateau Picard? Yes, I did. Uh, great overview of the wine. Um, it is delicious now and, and it can be stored and only, will only get better. So let me ask you, um, th- I think Paul brought it up in the, in the conversation there actually is a Chateau, there is actually a Picard Vineyard that was in operation before uh, Star Trek introduced us to Captain Picard? Yes, it's a great story. Um, you know, when we first uh, got the, the wine license with uh, CBS Viacom, or now Paramount Plus, um, uh, John Van Sitter is over at uh at CBS um, had been trying or his group had been trying to work with uh, the Chateau Picard vineyard in Bordeaux, which is a fifth generation family owned winery um, about 10 years ago. And this was um, well, well before the uh, Picard series was even thought of or, Uh, so went well before uh, Patrick's story was even written into the storyline. So they, Chateau Picard didn't know all about Star Trek and what it meant and felt that doing a partnership with uh, the Star Trek franchise um, would dilute the brand. And they initially turned, turned it away. And then they brought us in uh, to run the wine program 
and it took us about a year uh, of going back and forth with uh, Chateau Picard, which is owned by Mallor Bassey, um, to agree to work with us and produce wine specifically for um, for Picard, the Picard series. Wow. So Chateau, Chateau Picard is a, uh, you know, like I said, fifth generation, fully functional winery. Um, they are in St. Estive, and it, it is a true crew Bordeaux. And to get that classification is, you know, they're, they're very high standards in mm-hmm. France to, to hold that classification. Um, so for us to, you know, work with the French compliance group uh, to get that imported into the U.S. and to have the show prop label put on that bottle was a was a pretty heavy lift on our side, um, as well as you know the the they only have 75 hectares um, of grapes that produce this this Cru Bordeaux, which oh, is wow. 85, 85% Cab and 15% Merlot. So it's a very low yield when you think of, you know, wineries on the West Coast um, mm-hmm. that are much larger. So it's about uh, a little less than 9,000 cases. Um, so each each year we, we get an allotment um, dedicated to um, the Chateau Picard um, uh, Star Trek version. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been a great, great seller for, for us and it's a great drinking wine now and, and can be stored, uh, and it'll only get better. Wow. I had no idea that the yield was so low from, from this, like, that's amazing. That, that makes each, and it's no wonder. I mean, Paul was the first one to sort of clue me into the fact that there were classifications. And I guess that there are actually five classifications of Bordeaux wines. Um, and these were set up like way, way back. 1855 under Napoleon um, is when they kind of figured out uh, what these wine classifications were. And, and I'm telling you, like, I don't, I, as I try to admit during the, the reviews, I don't really know that much about, I mean, I know a little bit about wine, but I certainly don't know that much. And I would absolutely put this wine among the like top ones that I've ever had in my life. And if you listen to the show on Sunday, you'll hear a little bit more about my late father-in-law who was a wine collector and he was a big fan of Ridge wines. And um, obviously Ridge wines don't produce Bordeaux because they're in the United States. But they produce really, really high quality California wines. And I was putting it in the same kind of vein as that, where you just, if you've had a really nice wine in your life, this wine just is like, you can taste it. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a great drinking wine. And, um, it, you know, it's a great collaboration with, with our team, CBS, as well as uh, Jeffrey Lombardi, who he's the, the prop senior prop master over at CBS who um, if you've seen the uh, season two of Picard, there's some trailers with, with Jeffrey in it and all the, all the props that he's made Uh for the Picard series. And he working with him very closely on, on the label and the implementation um, to make sure that it is a, a true prop replica. 
as a matter of fact, um, I have a call with Jeffrey tomorrow to uh, to discuss um, something that they've seen on season two of Picard, um, which is the the next generation of uh, Picard. So there could be something cool in the future for the Star Trek fans. Yeah, and if you listen to our show on Sunday, you might get a little bit of a preview of some of the things that come from tonight's, uh, or excuse me, the first episode of this season and uh, how they relate to the Chateau Picard. So uh, really cool that they integrated the wine so um, seamlessly into that first episode of this season. That was so super cool. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great um great wine and um we we will be extending the uh uh the lineup for Chateau Picard. Ooh, that is a very nice teaser there. <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited about that. Wow. Okay, I can't wait to hear what's coming. That's yeah, and I wanna yeah. let you guys know that we have on our Facebook page. You guys can go to our Facebook page, Truck Talking and Beyond. And unfortunately, I get a lot of people, international people, that can't get their their Star Trek lines. But, but uh, Craig, you guys are working on trying to get an international license, correct? Correct. Yes, we are. You know, it, 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 the, we hear all the customer reviews and, and comments that come into our contact us uh, area of our website. And we're working hard and diligently on, um, on compliance and, you know, things change and they, they are starting to loosen up, uh, especially based on, on what we experienced through COVID and how, um, you know, direct to consumer shipping has, has opened up a little bit in the, the alcohol and spirits realm so, I mean, we're we're hopeful that uh, sometime soon we'll be able to, you know, ship internationally as well. There are a few states we we can't ship to right now that um, that are coming online slowly. But you know, it is a, a compliance hurdle that we we fight every day. And you guys can go to our Facebook page, and there's an offer right there on the top of the page. You can get a 10% discount. And all you have to do at checkout is put Trek Talking into the promo code, and you get a 10% discount. So if you're thinking about getting some your hand on some Star Trek wine, uh, you know, head on over there, use the promo code, and you can save 10%. So check that out. There's a whole armada of wines that are available. Nice, nice. Yes, wasn't that wasn't that nice? <laughs> yes, very well done, sir. And uh, we've only we've only reviewed five of the six of the Armada, so mm-hmm. there's still one left. And you there guys is, can go to the uh, Facebook page, check them all out. That's right. Uh, next week, uh, you all, we will be, or not next week, but actually in two weeks technically, uh, because there is a spring break involved here and some vacations and whatnot. So in two weeks, Paul and I will be reviewing the uh, Old Vines Inn and. Uh, you know, the cut that you hear on Thursday night will probably be uh, abridged, as you heard tonight. But if you listen to that full two-hour show uh, in a couple of weeks, 
there will be a full meal involved, uh, and we're going to be over at Paul's house, and uh, I have a feeling that Paul's going to cook something pretty tasty that might just go quite nicely with that old vine zin. So uh, make sure you join us in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that th- those are always interesting. So, Craig, you guys are going to be at uh, Star Trek Chicago, correct? Correct. Uh, April 7th through the 11th, um, we will be there, and we're working with, um, you know, Reed Pop, who is putting on the show for for CBS, and hopefully we'll have a, a wine tasting and then some activations that we're going to be participating in, um, as well as uh, guest panelists um, uh, during the, the the convention there in Chicago. I, I wish I could. I wish I could be there. Um, unfortunately, I can't make it to Chicago. But if any of our fans are listening, please stop by at the at the booth at at uh, for Star Trek Wines and say hello. Let them know that you heard about yes. it here on the podcast. That would be awesome. Please Absolutely do. Awesome. We look forward to chatting with everyone, and you know, definitely giving the backstory because Chateau Picard specifically has a great backstory because of the fifth generation winery working directly with the family um, of producers there in Bordeaux and how supportive they've been with, with the program. And, um, you know, unfortunately they, they can't sell anything out of their location uh, in France. Um, So a lot of people, there are a lot of requests that come in and say, well, can I just go visit the, the winery and purchase directly from them. Um, and due to our license, we, we have to ship everything from here or ship everything over to here and sell um, our bottles just in the United States at the current time. Wow. Well, I tell you, um, I've got, I've got a nice bottle of Chateau Picard sitting right on my shelf here next to my blood wine. And I, I love them both. <laughs> They're awesome. Excellent. They're absolutely awesome. (laughs) I don't drink wine, but I love the bottles. So, Eric, what can you tell us about the Chateau Picard bottle? Uh, Well, the Chateau Picard bottle is kind of your standard wine bottle shape. uh, But as we said in the recording there, one of my favorite things about it is that it has a vintage on the front of it, uh, and the vintage is 2386. So that just kind of brings me back to uh, generations and the, the, you know, the wine bottle being thrown at the Enterprise B there, um, which is a nice nostalgia point for me. Uh, on the back, of course, it has the, the little holographic seal. I don't know what you call that, but the, all the wines that are made in Bordeaux have this kind of like little seal that's on the back. Do you, Craig, can you tell us more about that thing at all? Or a little? Uh, I, well, I know that it is, it is a seal that designates that region um, of, of Bordeaux that uh, Chateau Picard is in, and it is regulated um, and something that uh, you know, that Mallard Matthew has to prove that those grapes were um, picked uh, and harvested in that uh, geographic region of, of Bordeaux, and it designates uh, uh, like a, a permit. Um, sort of like um, as, um, you know, Cabernet in, in California, there, there are certain regions that, uh, like Napa, um, but it, it just designates the region of, 
of Bordeaux where, where these wines, where these grapes were, were harvested. Yeah. And uh, so it, it does have the, the vintage, the 2017 vintage on the backside there. I noticed afterwards on the recording tonight, we talk about how the vintage is also printed on the top of the cork. So it's more of a standard kind of wine bottle. You know, there's, there's not a funky shape to it or anything. All of the focus is on what's inside the bottle. <laughs> um, right. And as I, and as I said, um, you know, I've had just enough good wines in my life to know that this one is pretty good. Like I, I'm definitely going to buy some more bottles of this and I'm going to save them. I'm like, and I'm probably going to save them at least. So it's five years old right now. I'm probably going to see if I can save them for five years. I don't have the facility to be able to, to really save it longer than that and know for sure that they're going to come out super great at the end of the day. Uh, but if you're a person who has, um, you know, a wine refrigerator or uh, access to uh, controlled temperature uh, facilities or whatever. I'm telling you, you should buy this bottle. You should you should save it for 20 years <laughs> and you should open it. And I feel like it's going to blow your mind. Like I feel like it's on that kind of level. And it's only because I've had some Ridge wines that have been that old that have come out that way that I understand kind of like what the what the Cadillac tastes like. And I feel like this one could go there. Yeah, just just to geek out a little bit more on the wine detail on the on the label, you like you like you notice the front label uh, is vintage twenty three uh, third uh, was it twenty three thirty twenty three eighty six twenty three eighty six. So, you know, with every wine that we produce, we have to submit the label to the TTB, which is the Tobacco Trade Bureau, for approval. And they have tight, you know, very strict guidelines on what is what the required um, elements are on a label, such as the vintage, the uh, the varietal, the appellation, um, standard things like that. So we were able to get through um, TTB with the uh, twenty three eighty six. <laughs> I wondered uh, about vintage, that, <laughs> um, which. Uh, we sort of slid that by, uh, but it is a great uh, nod to uh, to the to Picard and and this vintage specifically. Um, and I know there's you know some new vintages out there. Uh, the one that's in Picard season two is vintage 2401. Uh, so you know that's that's in the works right now. It's, uh, so um, <laughs> awesome. we'll, we'll see what happens with that one. Well, I know as far as the bottle goes, when I, when I got mine, it just happened to be when, when Picard was, was looking at the bottle and I'm holding that same bottle in my hand. And I was like, wow, th- 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 it looks exactly like the one Picard had in his hand on the show. I was just yeah. totally amazed at, yeah. at it. It was like, there it is, and I'm holding it. That was just the, the coolest thing. <laughs> yeah, and we oh. uh, we also have the the prop uh, case box, the wooden crate um, that is seen in uh, the trailer for uh, Picard season two, um, and we'll be producing more of those um, at, uh, at request of fans. Um, we sold out of the uh, our previous lot, so 
we'll be making more. But that's a great, great item to have as well. Yeah, I was I was impressed. I was definitely impressed. So uh, we won't be having a uh, fireside chat number six next week because of spring break, but we will be back the following week. So you guys can check out all of our previous uh, five fireside chats on our Facebook page. You'll see links for all of them. And you can go to Star Trek Wines and order any of the great wines that we've reviewed. Uh, Make sure you use the link on our Facebook page and put Trek Talking in as a promo code, and you can get a 10% discount. So uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much, Craig, for joining us tonight and talking with us about Chateau Picard. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. And I will will shoot you a link, not next week, but the following week for the final fireside chat. So thank you very much. All right, guys. Good night. So that was our Star Trek Wines Chateau Picard. But don't touch that dial because we've got a lot of Trek talking left. Trek talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30. All hailing frequencies are open iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back, and this is the part of the show where um, we do our Star Trek birthdays, and we've got a lot of birthdays to cover, but first... We have to have the birthday song. That was not a Klingon song. No, and Grumpy Wharf says that every week, but we love him anyways. So we always start out our Star Trek birthdays with our remembrances of those, unfortunately, who are no longer with us. So for that, we turn to Eric. And Eric, who's on our remembrance list this week? Well, Jim, our very first remembrance this week goes out to Angelica Pettyjohn, who, of course, played Thrall Shana in TOS's episode, The Gamesters of Triskelion. Uh, she is the, the woman with the green puffy hair, uh, if you remember that episode. Uh, so she would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday to Angelica Pettyjohn. We're also saying happy birthday to Paul Fix, uh, the original doctor, although we wouldn't uh, find that out until later, uh, Dr. Mark Piper from TOS's episode, Where No Man Has Gone, before um he's the one who actually uh brings the portable uh drink <laughs> uh suitcase i guess to kirk <laughs> which i think is kind of cool um so happy birthday to paul fix uh we're also saying happy birthday to frank overton elias sandoval uh in tos's episode this side of paradise another uh excellent episode of tos happy birthday as well to katherine woodville uh, who played Natira in TOS's episode For This World is Hollow and I Have Touched the Sky. 
happy birthday as well to Luli Jean Norman, uh, the soprano that we hear every single time we watch an episode of TOS. Uh, you know that one that does the really high thing that I will not try and uh, replicate right now? Yeah, that's the one. Uh, tell me that there is a more iconic voice other than potentially Major Roddenberry's uh, in Star Trek than Lily Jean Norman's voice. Um, just like a really special thing. And she just kind of came in for a moment and sang that song, and uh, it became part of our culture. So uh, she would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday to Lily Jean Norman. Well, and I think, happy oh yeah, go ahead. I think I think if I can find it, I've Ooh, got so many. Yep. I've got so many on here. Yep, I do have it, and uh, here she is. Space, a final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship. Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. in the future uh i just like i don't know that's just so cool so thanks for playing that for us jim (laughs) when i when i saw that i said we've got to i'm 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 such a nerd for music and that's like the ultimate classic right there so uh, even though you know her name isn't mentioned and you don't see her on screen you know the voice so i had to play it and i had to get her in the birthday so because i think she's iconic in the world of star trek she absolutely is. And so Star Trek fans, when somebody asks you who sang that awesome song, you can say Luli Jean Norman. She is the woman behind the voice. So happy birthday to Luli. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Norman Stewart, who played the Vulcan Kolar Master in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Uh, excellent, cool role right there. So happy birthday to Norman. We're also saying happy birthday to Grant Woods, who played Lieutenant Kellowitz in TOS's Arena, the Galileo 7, and This Side of Paradise, one of those uh, blue shirts that you probably, uh, uh, you know, wouldn't necessarily recognize, but was around a little bit. Uh, So happy birthday to Grant Woods. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Lawrence Tierney, who played Cyrus Redblock in TNG's episode the Big Goodbye, uh, a great uh, mob <laughs> episode, let's say, uh, and a great iconic mob face. Uh, if you see this guy, you will know exactly who I'm talking about. Lawrence Tierney would have had a birthday this week. Uh, we're also saying happy birthday to Wal- Walter Gotell, who played Kurt Mandel in G's episode Home Soil, uh, another prolific actor who 
was actually the head of the KGB in six James Bond movies from this from 77 to 87. Uh, you would know this guy. I mean, he was in Octopussy. He was in Living Daylights. Uh, he was in all the movies in between those two. So a uh, happy birthday uh, and a Star Trek credit goes to Walter Gotell. And then uh, our last remembrance this week, of course, goes out to uh, someone who we lost way too soon and to sort of weird circumstances. Uh, happy birthday this week to Anton Yelchin, uh, who played Chekhov, of course, in the Kelvin Timeline movies. Um, if you listen to our opening song in our uh, for our podcast here, we reference Chekhov's Wearing Head. Uh, that is in reference to our good friend Anton Yelchin, uh, who we lost way, way too soon. Um, so that is it for our remembrances this week, folks. Charles. Yes, we, we had a lot of remembrances this week, a lot more remembrances than we have of living birthdays, sadly enough. Well, I have a feeling, Jim, as this podcast, uh, approaches episode 400, you know, uh, uh, universe willing maybe we'll make it to 500 600 700 uh this list is probably going to keep growing because we are 56 years into star trek and uh there's just going to be more uh, so uh it, it, it's a nice uh touchstone that we like to do on this podcast where we go back and just kind of rethink all the folks who we've seen in all these amazing episodes because they were people right they just didn't play that one episode where the woman had the green hair like she had a career. So I encourage everyone who listens to our remembrances every week to go back and uh, check out these actors and actresses if you have not yet uh, before. And uh, remember Absolutely. them. Because they all have Absolutely. Yep. So Charles, take it away, buddy. Well, let's start off with Nancy Kovac, who played Nona in TLS's A Private Little War. So we have a few TLS Actress out there. <coughs> Barbara Allen Woods played Karen Bryman in TNG Schizoid Man. Titus Welliver played Lieutenant Maxwell Burke in Voyager's Equinox Parts 1 and 2. And then a couple of good birthdays. Kenny Johnson, Jim, cover your ears. Play Captain Cass- Captain Cassidy Yates in DS9. In other roles she played, including one more recent, was Dr. Finn from the Orville. Or as we say to Jim, the show we don't mention. And you wonder but why <laughs> you wonder why you got that one. Oh, I know why I got it. But she's one of the best characters on that show. I love Dr. Yeah. Finn. Yes, Dr. Finn's a good character on that series. And then we got one more, and I want to know, I want to know more about this character. Yep. I want a Discovery novel on mm-hmm. this character. I oh. want to know his backstory. Yes. David Cronenberg, who plays Dr. Kovic. Oh, I want to know about Kovic. Kovic is a mystery man. He has got a lot of secrets. And I want to know why. And I've heard some, I've heard some theories. And I think it's very interesting. I want to know if any of those theories might be true. 
How much has he seen? How long has he been around? We need to talk COVID theories. Has he ever met the doctor? Yep, Kovic. Eric knows that joke. He's a good one. <laughs> there we go. I okay. get it. Sorry, I got it later. It took me a second. Okay, Jim, who's on your list? Well, I don't have I don't have a lot, but I've got some good ones. First, we like to say happy birthday to Trisha O'Neill. Uh, she played Kurak in D and TNG Suspicions, a Klingon. She played Coronis in DS9 Defiant. <laughs> a Cardassian, but I think she's best known to everybody from her TNG episode yesterday's Enterprise. She was the captain of the USS Enterprise NCC-1701C, Rachel Garrett, and uh, she was she was the first and only female captain of the Starship Enterprise so far. We don't know after E, uh, but as far as screen time goes, only female captain of the Starship Enterprise. So happy birthday and, to Trisha O'Neill. And Jim, spoiler alert, referenced in tonight's Picard. Yep. I was thinking of that, too. That's right. Absolutely. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Sean Kenny, who played Captain Christopher Pike, Pope's accident, in the TOS episode, The Menagerie. He was the one sitting in the wheelchair flashing... The yellow lights on and off. So, but he also played Lieutenant DePaul in the TOS episode, The Arena and A Taste of Armageddon. So he was in the same episode as um, the other guy that you mentioned at the top of the show. So happy yeah. birthday to Sean Kenny. Yep. I would also like to say happy birthday to Whitney Rydbeck, who played Ensign Alanis in TNG's Pen Pals. And here's, here's a good one. James Frain, who played Sarek in Star Trek Discovery. An excellent portrayal of Sarek, I think. And uh, I think he did service to Mark Leonard's Sarek. So happy birthday to James Frain. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Anna Katrina, who played Valada Ennis in TNG's Haven. And I always save the Klingons for last. And this Klingon, this was the only Klingon we had this week. Uh, so we'd like to say happy birthday to Faith, Faith Minton, who played the lustful female Klingon in TNG's Hide and Q. Um, she's the one that when Riker snaps his fingers and the Klingon appears and she starts climbing up Worf's side, that was her. Yep. So When we get to see birthday. John DeLancey in a Napoleon uniform, what a great episode. That's right. <laughs> It was. <laughs> so uh, we have a caller on the line here, guys. Woo-hoo. Let me see who. Let me see if I can get this thing to work. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Truck Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? It's me, David Hello? from Portland. Hey, hey David. David from Portland. What's up? Uh, not much. Just listening. <laughs> Just listening in. I think. I think we have someone else here too. For some reason, we get, we're having an overlapping line here. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where you're calling us from tonight? Hello? Hello? Hello. Hello. Oh, my God. This is Billy Wilson from the Bronx. Hey, <laughs> what's man? happening, buddy? Hey, wait a minute. Hey, you, wait a minute. Wait a minute, guys. Guys, let me see something to you guys. 
today's my birthday, right? Well, happy birthday, Ray. Happy birthday. You know what I'm saying? Did I see our coins outside and you went to the list of everything you woke just now? Yes? Hello? Yep. Okay, so you went to the list. And here's my wife. My wife, can you say hi to your wife quick, please? She said hi. Absolutely. What's right? She said hi. Hi. Hello. How are you? We're great. See? We're great. So it's Ray's birthday, huh? Yes, it is Ray's yes. birthday. And, um, Excellent. So happy that he can get in touch with you guys. Well, we're always um, here for Ray. Good, I'm glad. Yeah, absolutely. I want to give you no. our sorry story. No, but no, no, I am no. glad that he loves Star Trek. He's a Trekkie to the heart. That's good to hear. And I say to him, it's happy birthday. Well, happy birthday, Ray. Anything special for your birthday tonight? Can I tell you something? Absolutely. Can you pray for Ray? Of course. Ray is having and needs to have a total hip surgery and he's afraid of it and um please as your Trekkie friend tell him don't be afraid tell him to do the right thing for himself and his body because we all love him well Ray oh, just just just, just, just do what Worf does, Ray. Just, just be a Worf and just growl and go for it. Oh, are you a Worf? Yeah, just be a Worf. Just be like Worf and just growl and go for it. That's all. That's right. Remember that Worf was paralyzed and he stared that right in the face and he made it all the way through. Yes, he did. You know what? Thank you because I was trying to be a downer and you actually. Reminded me of well, walking, walking yeah. Spider, yeah. And as you give the name, we thought I want to die. Uh, yeah. That's, That's right. Mhm. Yep. So thank you. Oh, well, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. And you have a happy you birthday, it, Ray. That's right. Happy birthday, man. Be like Worf. Happy birthday, Ray. Okay, do you remember Wolf's wife or mate? Yep, Kalar. Um, oh, I got forgot her name, but Elar is me. Well, then <laughs> you, 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 uh, you, you need to you need to whip you need to whip Ray's butt into shape and take care of That's him right. like Kalar right. used to do. That's right. <laughs> you told Uncle Jim that. Absolutely. I'm Wolf's wife. That's and I'm right. On... Yep. He's made. Anyway, <laughs> you can call back when you get out of surgery, and then you can call them so I can tell them I whooped you back into space. 
That's right. You can do yeah, it. That's right, Ray. You can do it, buddy. Yeah, I have uh, faith that so you can do it, Ray. And we'll be here. We'll be here when you get out of surgery. Give us a call and let us know how everything went. And I'm sure you'll be fine. Thanks, brothers. You have a best night. Not a problem. And you have a happy right, birthday, Ray. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And thank you, and thank you to your wife for talking to us as well. Happy birthday, buddy. Yes, her name is Eva. Take it easy, buddy. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. You made a day. Well, that was our buddy Ray from the Bronx. And uh, happy birthday to Ray. We hope everything goes well, and uh, we look forward to hearing from Ray um, after he gets done with his surgery and for his hip. So listen, guys, we still have a lot of Star Trek to talk about. We're still going to talk about Species 10C, the Discovery um, episode from last week, and Star Trek Picard episode two, Penance. And we have a new Captain Kirk to talk about all this and so much more. Don't touch your dial. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back, and the only Star Trek story that... uh was breaking that I felt we had to talk about tonight was the new Captain Kirk. So James T. Kirk is coming to Star Trek Strange New World Season 2, played by Paul Wesley. The first season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds arrives in May, but production has already started on Season 2, and Paramount Plus made a big announcement about an iconic character. The Vampire Diaries star Paul Wesley has joined the cast of Season 2 as Paramount Plus's Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Wesley will play the role of James T. Kirk, a character first introduced in Star Trek, the original series, portrayed by William Shatner. There are currently no details on if Wesley will be a series regular or have a guest or reoccurring role in season two. The first season of Strange New World is set in the year 2259. Kirk assumed command of the USS Enterprise at the age of 32 in 2265 taking over from Captain Christopher Pike. Before the Enterprise's Kirk served aboard the USS Republic as an ensign and the USS Farragut as a lieutenant and as an instructor at Starfleet Academy. If Season 2 of Strange New World progressed just a year to 2260, it would be too early in Canada for Kirk to be a captain and definitely too early for him to be serving aboard the USS Enterprise. Sticking with Canon. Wesley's Captain Kirk could appear in the show setting jumping forward or in a future flashback or via time travel. Production has begun in Toronto on the 10-episode second season of Strange New Worlds, and Wesley has already been spotted in location shooting in Toronto. Filming on Twitter posted an image of the actor on Monday along with co-star Christiana Chan, who played Leonon in Sing, and Star Trek Strange New Worlds debuts on May 5th, streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus in the U.S., Latin America, Australia, and the Nordics. The series will air on Bell Media CPTV Sci-Fi Channel and stream on Crave in Canada, with additional international availability to be announced at a later date. So what do you guys, what do you think about this uh, 
this well, news. Uh, <laughs> let me jump on this one because this has been an, this was an interesting topic on the USS Windrunner's chat group. Because somebody brought up and showed a picture. It's like, well, wait a minute. He's got captain's bars on. Remember in TOS, the captain's bars are on the sleeve. And he does have two wide and one thin band on his uniform. Oh, that's interesting. Let me find a Pike picture. And Pike has the same design. Now, Kirk has some wavy lines in his. That's different. That's the original TLS. But now, but they're saying, well, wait a minute. How are we getting Kirk as captain? But as you said in that one scene, I wonder if there's a projection of we're seeing some kind of, that he does. Because we're in the Farragut time period. What if at some point we see him what would be like if Kirk was on the Enterprise? And I wonder if it's a future shot or something like that. It's going to be interesting to see why he's got it, but you know Paramount doesn't release these pictures and make mistakes like that unless there's a reason they're doing that. Well, I wanted to, so I wanted I to say I, uh, I saw a video on Twitter. Um, they're, they're filming on the streets in Toronto. And there, there was two girls that were walking down the street and saw him, and they were Vampire Diaries fans that knew that knew him from Vampire Diaries, yeah. and he was in his Star Trek uniform. And they went up and and asked him if they would if he would get in a picture with them, and he was more than happy to get in a picture with them. And he just seemed I've never met him, but he seemed like a really really down to earth decent guy. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with the character and how they're going to get him, how they're going to explain him showing up um, in strange new worlds. And uh, I, you know, I also think something else I I wanted to mention is with William Shatner pushing 90 and we heard about Star Trek four coming out and we did hear from JJ Abrams that we would have some interesting new characters showing up. And I'm wondering if, if this, if he's going to be the new Captain Kirk, perhaps. I mean, we know he's the new Captain Chris Kirk. Pine? Or instead of, or in addition to, maybe, maybe they're going to do some type of a time travel story, and we're going to see another version of Captain Kirk, because they don't, hmm. like Charles said, they don't do things like this without a reason. They don't make no, mistakes. No, they don't. They, I mean, it's true. <laughs> It's true, and uh, I mean the 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 misalignment of this actor's uh, portrayal of Captain Kirk and the timeline of Strange New Worlds is um, is the one thing that like kind of uh, gives me pause about this situation. I mean, I'm super excited about the actor. I'm super excited somebody actually is playing Captain Kirk that isn't William Shatner. I think that it is a role that is very worthy of being handed off to other people to to play other parts that we haven't seen. Oh, man, I hope it's not another time travel thing. Come on. We got the whole Discovery series on time travel. We got time travel. Right we just, it's like, I don't need to be time traveled to this. This 
Star Trek is not Doctor Who. Like, Doctor Who is show up at some random year and help the people who are there and get the heck out and go do it again next week. That is not the way that uh, Star Trek is tracking right now. And although we're in for an episodic ride with uh, Strange New Worlds, I just hope that there's not a... I mean, maybe... Okay, okay, if they do it for one episode and then come back, I'm in. I'm in. But if it's like an extended plot, yeah, it's been overdone. We'll see. Well, th- this could involve Carl, you know. Well, Let's my forget friend, about it can it can involve many, many people. You're co- completely right. Like the Guardian of Forever is a great vehicle for this type of story, right? Uh, like when you when did you jump through? <laughs> How did you exactly? You know, yeah, yeah, totally. So I mean, I, I mean, but, right but, now. Well, but don't you agree, Jim? Like one or two episodes. Like I don't want to see this guy for a season personally. I, I want no, to focus I, on I, the Enterprise and Pike, right? I want to see Anson Mount. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But totally. um, I mean, we all you know, know about I, your man crush, but yeah, I just <laughs> I, I think that you know if they do something like they did, I mean, this is going to be episodic. We, yeah. They've already said that, so. So the chances are that that if we see him in a two-parter, maybe um, I don't think I don't think we're going to see him extended like we saw Pike on Discovery because this isn't going to be that type of a show. So I don't think so. I don't think. But well, I think there's I also, also one thing that you guys had forgot to mention was that uh, Captain Cook <clears throat> wasn't going to show up until season two of uh, Strange New World. So right, wasn't that also a thing? That was exactly. Yep. yep. And, and a lot of people are jumping all over this and you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah. I love it. Sure. Yeah. I love what well, they did with him on discovery and I like what I've seen so far. Um, I like Mr. Spock. I like, I like Ethan Peck's portrayal of Mr. Spock. I really like Rebecca Romaine's number one and everything that I've seen and know about the show, I think it's going to be outstanding. I really like the theme song, the music that we heard in the, in the teaser trailer. And so, um, and so far, so far, the Star Trek universe that's being produced by Kurtzman has, has, has been everything we'd expect it to be. So I'm going to trust them that they're, that there's a reason for what we're seeing. We're just seeing a picture out of context. I'm going to give them every benefit of the doubt that there's a reason for why Kirk is there. And I'm going to experience it myself. And then I'll decide what I think about it and not a minute sooner. And that's my take. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, give so, it a chance. Yep. Give it a chance. So uh, I just had to talk about that because that the internet has been is still on fire about that right now. Um, but I mean, there's no question that the role, in my mind, like the role deserves to be passed on. Like you look at at Spock, for example. How many actors have played Spock? Like eleven actors have played Spock, right? That is a character that deserves to live beyond Leonard Nimoy. In the same way, I do think Kirk is a character that deserves to live beyond William Shatner. But in this context, man, they better knock it out of the park or it's like the internet's going to get lit on fire. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's already burning down yeah. over it right now, and we haven't even <laughs> seen anything. And we, we, well, <laughs> we still have to wait two years to actually see what, how they're going to do it. But uh, 
I'm not going to jump off a bridge and go crazy and start whipping out my Star Trek books and, 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 you know, trying to put the dates together and they violated it because of this and that and the other thing. I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to wait and see. So they haven't, I'll tell you one thing right now. They haven't let me down so far. So I, you know, I don't think they're going to start now. That's my, (laughs) you know, and I'm sticking to it. That's yeah, my. That's I, my. I, I'm I heard at least one fan. It's like, well, why can't we take the Kirk out? Uh, why can't we take the Kirk out of the Kelvin universe? One, I think he's still going to be too expensive for a series like this. Two, he's part of the movie. Let him stay in the movies. Let start with a new Kirk instead of having to pull somebody out of Kelvin it's like, oh, he's Kelvin Universe. Well, then we got other people starting to throw in what's wrong with him being there. Because he's Kelvin Universe. He's not a fresh actor. It's going to give us a fresh start. Right. <laughs> so, let, let's give it a shot, guys. Give it a shot and see. Yeah. Um I've got one more question while we're on Kirk. Um, Does anyone else think that uh, Paul Wesley kind of looks like Kirk, a young Kirk from like a far distance? Yeah, I I posted a picture on our Facebook page because somebody pulled a picture of him off Vampire Diaries with this spiky hair and whatnot, and put it next to Cap next to William Shatner as Captain Kirk, and and said something like, "Well, they could have picked an actor that looked better." And I was like, well, yeah, you picked the one, the picture of him that looks completely non-Starfleet and non-Kirk and put it next to Captain Kirk. Obviously, it doesn't look the same. But if you crop the picture <laughs> that they have of him in his Kirk uniform and you put it next to William Shatner, which you can see on our Facebook page because that's exactly what I did. And I, I agree with you, David. He, he really has a William Shatner-esque type of, of look to him. If yeah. only he talks. I think they did a good job. Uh, we talked about that a little bit on our internal chat. Like, do you think he's going to follow yeah. the Shatner cadence? <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that he would, but perhaps he will. You never know. You know, throughout all of the TOS, uh, yeah, throughout all of TOS, I've never actually heard Kirk really speak like that. It never really Well, <laughs> it's been overdone, but you... You have uh, to you have to listen for the subtleties uh, of it. It's it's there, and yeah. it and it stems out of him actually being like his training was as a vaudeville actor, and so he mm. literally as an actor was trained to overact. That's what you do in vaudeville, and so he carried some of that through to his television appearances at first, and and of course then it just became like one of the first tropes out there that people just kind of kept repeating over and over again. And you're right, David, it's not as pronounced as we all like to think it is, but it is oh. there. Just a I will actually attest listening to him on a panel on the stage. And William Shatner sounded like Kirk. Yeah, it's him. He had those pauses. He had those pauses occasionally in when he was speaking. There were times you got those pauses in while he was speaking to the audience. 
not as Kirk as Shatner, but you still heard it. It's like, nope, he as a person has that way of speaking. Yeah, it's That's just the way he uh, is. Yeah, and and it's not really. I think the actor part of it. And I think that's how he really got the point of talking. And I'm sure in other acting roles they had to constantly correct it so he didn't have those pauses. Well, on a on another note with with Paul Wesley being cast, I have to say that my wife does not. She cannot stand. TOS and won't watch it at all except for Star Trek 4. She loves the one with the whales. But um, when she heard that Paul Wesley was cast as the new Captain Kirk, her and my daughter loved the Vampire Diaries. So now they're all excited about the new show because they're going to get a chance to see Paul Wesley again and hopefully he'll start doing some Star Trek conventions and they can meet him. So if they're picking this actor to attract younger crowds that were into vampire diaries in my, for just from my close circle, it's working. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I, All right, guys. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't show up at start the uh, 56 year mission. I would be very surprised if he didn't. I'm, I'm sure he will, unless he's busy, he probably won't be busy acting at that point. He's recorded his position. I'm sure he will show up on a panel. And people will. That will be another draw for the convention is the younger fans coming to get his autograph as Kirk. Yeah, I, I think I think you're going to see him showing up, popping in there quite a bit now. Well, guys, we still have a lot of Star Trek. We have to talk about Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard. Don't touch that dial. Trek Talking, all things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back, and every week, I ask you guys on our Facebook page to score this week's episode on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best. And we go through and we read your responses on this show. And then we like to see how we compare to what you guys, our fans, said about the episode. So, uh, Eric, what did our, star, our Facebook fans have to say about Star Trek Discovery Species 10C? Well, Abby Acuna gave it an eight. That thing about reviews, it's just our opinion. Grateful we have more Trek in our lives. We enjoy the entertainment. Kirk Jackson said, I want to love it. However, it's a solid five. Here said a solid 6.5 exclamation point and live long and prosper sign. Top fan Andrew Friend said total 10 strong arrival vibes and frankly far more realistic than any BS quote, universal translator. Uh, Curtis J. Francois gave it a 10, 10, and a 10. Uh, Is that a 1,000? I'm not sure how that works out. Uh, (laughs) Michael James Church gave it a 10. A little more action in this episode. Top fan Kevin Knight, a 7. Nicholas Paul, a 10. Top fan Aoife Lojou, a 10. It's very good. And Tim Dewey gave it an 8. 
we are coming in this week, Jim, with a solid, solid fan score of 8.5. 8.5. So before we grade the episode, though, there's a couple of points that I wanted to bring up. So the first one, of course, I want to talk about is Booker and Jet Reno. What an interesting combination, one that that worked, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it worked pretty well, actually. The combination, usually you see Jet Reno, uh, you know, fencing with Stamets, generally. Um, but her scenes were not with Stamets this week, or last week. Most of them were with Book, which I thought yeah. was cool. Well, Jim, it seems to me that, like, the best thing about Reno in this episode is, to me, this one shows off her intelligence. Like, whereas she is normally somebody who you would think would just spout off at the mouth and and keep talking forever and ever, saying smarmy things over and over again, in this episode, she actually chills out. She's just kind of quiet, and she watches Book and Tarka the whole time. I love the fact that she's watching Tarka do stuff thing in front of him there and she totally knows what's up right like as an engineer she is she is just as smart as that guy knows what's going on and she waits for her moment in this episode um and it's just perfect i this was probably my favorite jet reno episode because it's the one beyond the smarm yeah i i love her for the smarm but she showed off her engineering chops in this one that she's more there's more to the character than just snarky remarks oh yep yeah yep. And, and and her black licorice we can't forget the black licorice. <laughs> and i love black licorice so i'm on board with that <laughs> that was awful and you know one of the one of the other things that i really liked in this episode was the burnham saru relationship um i love where they've taken these two to me they're they're kirk and spock they're they're riker and Picard level here, um, you know, Burnham takes Suru uh, into the ready room, I believe it was, in her ready room, and she's having some doubts about being able to communicate with Tennessee, and what, you know, what is she going to do if she can't? How is she going to, you know, get the confidence in the crew, and, and, and Saru is the only one she could say these things to, and what does Saru do? Yells at her! <laughs> and, uh, screams at her and she screams at him and and then and then they hug each other and i i thought that was a great moment it really shows how far they've come together as characters and i really really liked that moment a lot well lot. you guys well, if, if i go ahead charles go ahead i was gonna say the, the one that i the one that really caught me in that scene especially sure they're yelling at each other and you kind of look at that, wow, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And boy, Grudge, Grudge gave it to him. Grudge she gave did. him a meowing. It's like, yeah, it's just, true. you know, look at them. It's like, what are you two doing? And why are you making so much noise and disrupting my nap? I'm trying to sleep here, people. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, the I totally agree with you, Charles. The the awesome thing about that scene to me is that that was acknowledgement that, like, we each come up against that feeling every once in a while inside ourselves where we just literally 
we we feel this energy that needs to just come out. Yeah. And I love them modeling, you know, Saru kind of taking his knowledge that he learned previously, <laughs> passing it on to Michael. And and yeah. you know what, guys? Sometimes you just got to go out in the middle of the woods and shout at a tree because if you do, it'll help yeah. you realign your compass. Yep, I I agree. And uh, I also wanted to bring up Andoya. I think that she's a traitor. Mm. I really, really do, because what she did was a violation of the trust that the Federation put in her, and she violated that. She violated it worse than Booker did. Booker had a reason. He, He was under distress for the loss of his planet. She... She knew what she was doing was wrong. She knew she was violating their trust, and she did it anyways. Okay, and, uh, but, but so maybe one thing they haven't done a good enough job at in this storyline, Jim, is like I kind of agree with you. I really do. But I think one of the points of this season is to show you what people are willing to do when they're afraid, right? They are willing to go like beyond what is reasonable. They're willing to make bad decisions, and the, I think the point is that fear, to, to, to make a Dune reference really quickly, like fear is the mind killer. And I think that you're feeling that in this season of Star Trek. It's like if you just act out of fear, you're going to make the wrong decisions every single time. So I think that's one of our lessons we're learning right now. Yeah, because she was there. She saw the close encounters of the third kind communication going on. Um, and really never gave it a chance. I mean, I haven't seen tonight's episode, okay? So I don't know how that worked out, thankfully. Otherwise, I'm old and senile, and it would ruin it because I'd mix up the episodes because I do that all the time. But so she never gave it a chance to actually work. And then to find out that by her doing what she did, she may have jeopardized much more than she would have saved if she had let them take a chance. So the lesson is don't let fear rule your decisions because it's very clear in this case that that was the wrong decision, right? And, and it was made out of fear. It was made out of fear. And, of course, the one thing we got to talk about is Tarka. He's been the bad guy all along. Oh, yeah. He, he, he's <laughs> he's no a good. big bad. He, <laughs> he took advantage of he, – he, he used everybody's fear against them. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk more about, like, some of the really amazing things in this episode. But Tarka, like, the one – so here's what I'll say. This was, well, uh, literally one of my favorite episodes of Discovery so far, but the, the shadow of Tarka hanging over the entire episode was kind of intense. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I was just a little bit nervous the whole time because you knew something was going to go wrong at some point and that Tarka was going to be behind it, right? <laughs> And then he booby traps Book's ship. Of course he did. You know, I mean, he's just a bad guy. He is out for himself. And I still will go back to what I said a couple of weeks ago, which is I don't think, like, despite last week's episode, which actually did quite a bit to advance his cause as to why he's doing, you know, with his relationship with his friend and actually showing how that played out, they still haven't done enough to make me like the guy or to make me think that his actions are justified in any way. So, meh. No, he, he's he's just not. I agree. I, I and one of my favorite favorite parts was 
uh, when they were communicating with the Close Encounters of the Third Kind type of dun 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 dun. Well, they didn't have the music, but they had the lights, and uh, they they did the lights, and we found out that it was the power of math, people. And I I thought of Tilly right away. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, the whole uh, the whole way they communicated was through math, and I thought that was just how much more Star Trekky than that can you get? I, Jim, really? that, I think that it's like the best uh, analysis that I could possibly hear of that because how literally how much more Star Trek can you go, can you get than that? Because you have the most intelligent people hanging out together, trying to solve a problem, watching them solve it. And it's completely outside anything that they've understood before. And then you mix in cool sci-fi stuff like the, the holographic graphics and, you know, how they're taking these molecules and, like, projecting them in 3D space and, like, rendering different emotions out of the shape of the molecule. I mean, come on. That was so cool. Very strong arrival vibes, like our, uh, like our friend this week said, which I will not deny. But that doesn't mean that it isn't a very Star Trek-y thing to do. One of the reasons that this well, is probably my favorite episode this season so far. I, I loved it. It was definitely my favorite, and it, that's because the closest we ever came to it in Star Trek that I could remember was Shaka when the walls fell. And that's yeah. not even and that's even well, not even close to it because they were still talking in English. The translator was still in English. It was just was terrible to communicate. Right. Right. Uh, where well, this is totally totally alien. I take this scene seem not compared to the series, I think the scene compared to the Tilly's novel, where he she used math to communicate with that race. Yeah, totally. That's and, right. Yeah. That's yeah. And I think that shows us like, okay, she used that mathematics to sit there and communicate. They learned here they could use mathematics to communicate. Not all races were gonna are gonna be able to go through the translator. Some That's races right. were gonna have That's to right. use methods to communicate. I, yeah, I, I love, love that we're, I love that we're kind of continuing to move beyond the bumpy headed aliens. Like I, I don't deny yeah. that I love bumpy headed aliens from TNG uh, era. You know, there, there's no question that you can explore a lot of storylines, a lot of, like, cultural barriers, um, you know, all sorts of things through that mechanism. But once you move beyond things that are within your comfort zone, like how people communicate or the shape of their bodies or the type of atmosphere that they live in, it just, like, it adds a layer of complexity that I think is so interesting to me. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Eric, you're looking for. Bipedal. Yeah. 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 By Peter. I really think that this uh, episode. We're always doing a bipedal alien that talks walk on two feet. Let's get with let's get some creatures that don't walk on two feet. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Go ahead, David. I think uh, I was going to say that this episode really reminded me of the movie Arrival. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, it's very, and, and the, the cool thing, like if you guys haven't, if anybody out there listening to us tonight hasn't seen that movie, I would absolutely 100% uh, recommend that. Uh, stars Amy Adams, just a great movie about when aliens come, 
how in the world do we communicate with them when they are so foreign? They're not bumpy headed aliens that the, that the universal translator can figure out right away. Right. It's like, you have to think on a different, you have to think way outside the box. And that to me is like one of those things that this episode brings to the table. It's like, everybody had to think outside the box, right? Remember Burnham was like, get these people on the bridge. Cause if these people aren't here, then we can't figure it out. And, and, they did it. I mean, just amazing scenes. Yeah, when 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 Burnham when Burnham calls uh, Christopher Nielsen and Detmer down, and now now you know now you you have the crew. The only one that wasn't there was a Roshikun, and um, you know, but someone had to stay on the bridge, I guess. And together they solved <laughs> the, the they found that missing piece. And again, how much more Star Trek than that can you get? They worked together. They solved the problem. That's Star Trek at its core. Yep. Right? I mean, that's, totally. all, that's it. Totally. Yep. I mean, it, it really. And again, you know, I haven't seen tonight's episode, but based on the way this one ended and based on um, Jet Reno's message to Burnham, and based on the name of the first episode of this season, which was Kobayashi Maru, do you think that tonight's episode is going to be Burnham's Kobayashi Maru? She's going to have to make that hard choice, and we're going to do, see do, 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 do. not be Uh-oh. around. You haven't seen it, have you, David? <laughs> no, actually, I have not. I'm actually okay, excited good. to see it, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch it after the podcast here. But I'm I'm thinking that that Burnham's going to have to make that hard choice, yeah, <laughs> the and, choice that well, she and, doesn't want to make. Well, and it, it's going to be really interesting to see. I think a couple of weeks ago I predicted that Book was going to was going to uh, bite it at some point this season. But now I'm like I'm starting to think that Book might be the only link that we have to these aliens because stupid Tarka has messed everything up again. And and who better to communicate with aliens? through a language that is not based on language or any of the stuff that we that we know remember in this episode they talked uh, about how they have now verified that these aliens the 10 c they are empathetic right they've they've discovered that they actually like treat their uh, young with respect they communicate uh, in emotions that transmit uh, empathy and so who better to communicate with these people than the guy who has the empathy superpower um, so I think I think Book is probably gonna like he started to redeem himself this episode. My prediction is that Book is gonna become the key to like and continue to redeem himself in future episodes, whether it's this week or uh, wait, is this week the last one? Yes, well, the one that's on well, tonight is the end. All right, so, so it's, here it is. Yeah, I I I think again I haven't seen it, but. But grudge is on discovery. That's important. <laughs> okay, grudge is not with yeah. book. Grudge is on discovery. So whatever happens to book, it won't happen to grudge. Okay, that that I want to get that out of the way. Grudge is safe. Um, however, Jet Reno is on the ship. I don't care about Tarka. He deserves whatever happens to him. But Jet Reno is there, and I don't think they're going to write out Jet Reno. She's too, she, the fans love her. She's a great character. Yeah. But I don't think we're going to lose Reno. But I do think, so 
something's going to happen to Booker. And I think that he's going to, he's, I don't know if he's going to die, but I don't think he's going to get back together with Michael. I think book is either going to end up staying with 10 C and communicating with them, or he's going to make the sacrifice to save them. Uh, Something's going to happen to book and he's not going to end up where we all think he's going to be. That's my prediction. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, he probably so, could become like the next Federation ambassador or something. Something like that. And the last thing I wanted to mention is we hear we hear the story that that book tells Jet Reno that he's actually Book the Fifth, and that's where he got his name from. Because she refers to him as okay, Book the Fifth. Where's my licorice? And she gets yeah. a little bit snarky. <laughs> can I tell you? Can I tell you the vibe I got off that? I got the Dread Pirate Roberts from <laughs> Princess Bride, right? He's like, he's not the first Dread Pirate Roberts, but it's a name that has been passed down uh, through the generations because it commands respect. Uh, it, it commands a sense of, like, I know who I'm dealing with here. So I love that idea of somebody passing down their name in this kind of career uh, culture because, you know, if you're going to entrust your, like, your load to somebody, you really want to be able to trust them. And if it's somebody whose name goes back, I don't know, I'm going to throw out numbers like 50 or 60 years, you know, if he's the fifth, that probably commands a lot of respect. Inconceivable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what did it, it was like, yeah. book the fifth, I was like, oh, that's like Dread Pirate Roberts. That's so cool. <laughs> so um, let, let's score the episode. Our fans gave it an 8.5. And um, I got to say that I'm not with our fans on this one. For me, this is a 10. And I I said it on Facebook, on several of the pages, other pages that I visit. To me, this is Star Trek at its Star Trekiest. This is what Star Trek is all about. So is that what 10C stands for, 10 core? That's what 10C stands for. This is people putting their heads together, working as a group to solve a problem to think outside the box, to communicate with an alien race that is truly an alien race. And to me, this is Star Trek. I gave it a 10, hands down a 10, no doubt in my mind. So how about you, Eric? Yeah, I mean, Jim, uh, I it's so funny how, like, believe it or not, folks, we actually don't talk that much during the week, and we actually come at these reviews from pretty independent perspectives. And I got to agree with you, Jim. I mean, I, I wrote down 9.9 just because I always like to leave a little bit of room for improvement. But to me, it was, <laughs> I think you said it perfectly, the Star Trekiest Trek that you can get, like these people trying to figure out this problem. And and somehow they do it for, for a really long time, and it's absolutely riveting the whole time. Uh, I love this episode. Absolute best episode this season for me. I agree completely. How about you, Charles? What do you think? 8.5 from our fans. I was going to go stick with our fans, but I think listening to you two, I kind of agree. I want to leave a little bit of room for the final episode but I'll push it up to about a 9.5. This was a true first contact that we didn't deal with translators and stuff. We had to truly figure out how to communicate. And that's what I think Star Trek really shows. We have to communicate. 
find ways to talk to people. Absolutely. And uh, David, that we get to bring up the caboose. You got a, you got a lot, lot to hold on to here, a lot to follow. What do you think? <laughs> well, no pressure. I'm really hoping no that pressure. the uh, I'm really hoping that the aliens aren't going to be some sort of form of space whales or something. But you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually kind of up to from compared to last week. Uh, I'm actually thinking this year that episode was uh, gonna. I'm gonna give it about a good nine point three. It was well, we're, we're all... my all-time favorite, but you know, it's it, it was one of the better episodes of the season. So we're we're pretty well separated from what our fans thought this week. So that's yeah, that is kind of interesting. I was very interested in the fans. I mean, there were a fair contingent, not just the ones we read tonight, but if you go on our Facebook page, you can check it out. There was a fair contingent of fans who were in that like five and six range. So I would be very interested to know. You know, just what kind of Trek those folks like. I, I don't think that they're right or wrong. I just think that people like different kinds of Trek. And um, if this is Trekkie Trek, then maybe they like Action Trek or, you know, other kinds of Trek that are out there. So that's that's a great thing. We've got so much diversity these days. There's uh, a show for you out there somewhere. Yeah, and you know what I find interesting about that is that that, that diversity is really obvious on Discovery, not on Picard. And we'll have to wait and see on Strange New Worlds. But for some reason, that that diversity on Discovery is you got tens and you got fives. And not much in between. Which is yeah, interesting. It is. All right, guys. So uh we're gonna we're gonna go a little bit over but you know, it's a double feature. That just that's gonna happen for the next for this show and the next one just because we got so much to talk about. We still have to talk about Star Trek Picard Penance, so don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Trek Talking, all things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. Okay, and we're back, and we're talking about Star Trek Picard, Episode 2, Penance. And again, I asked our Facebook fans to score it on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best. And Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about Star Trek Picard, Penance? Uh, well, Jim, uh, top fan Kevin Knight gave it a 9. Nicholas Paul gave it a 10, exclamation point. Jesus Humberto Vasquez Garcia gave it a 10. Jonathan Searcy gave it a 10. Villa Joaquim Fredrickson also gave it a 10. Uh, Camilla Dyrenborg Bonchinson said, I'm not sure. I fail to understand why they need to invent new timelines for each show. Laugh out loud. I'd much rather stick to the original timeline, but it wasn't a bad episode at all. Sir Patrick Stewart is an amazing actor. I think I'd give it an 8. Jeff Kirk nice last name, gave it a 10. Darren Drake gave it a 10. Powell Zetek gave it a 9. And Edward Brock gave it an 8. And Jim, uh, you know, we're all about trying to smash records here. We came so close to last week's episode. The fans gave this a 9.4. And last week, they gave a crazy old 9.5. So we're real close. Yeah, we we are. I think, well, 
You know, whenever we run, when we used to be able to run polls, Picard always blew every poll out of the water that we ever ran. It's so, true. People love Picard. Picard won every best captain, every best episode. Um, Picard came out on top every single time. So that doesn't surprise me. So let's talk a little bit about this episode. So the first thing we have to talk about is the Boar Queen. Oh, my God. Was she not like like creepy, like weird, creepy vibe coming <laughs> off of her? <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's the perfect board queen. I mean, uh, one of my favorite, uh, w- like, ways that she acted that part was, uh, you know, when Gerardi takes her and sort of pushes her over to, to hook into the La Serena, um, she's just looking at Gerardi the whole time, like literally kind of like staring through her. And I love the portrayal that we're getting in a board queen here. It's almost like she knows more than you do, and yet you still need her help, so you got to play ball. I love that. Yeah, she she was definitely uh, definitely creepy. And uh, we've got a caller yeah. here on page two. Woo-hoo. Let me see if I page let me see here. Hey, <laughs> good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Well, it's Nate from Vegas, and I figured I'd call before you guys run out of time, and I can't listen to you anymore. Uh, good idea. Oh, by the way, thank you. I was able to, to get my ship on Star Trek Online, so I'm all set. Thank you. You're, I was able yeah, to, to get on there and get that. I grabbed it. So, yeah. So the, the Borg Queen, very creepy. Got a very creepy vibe. That look on her. Remember, she's got no body. <laughs> she's just hanging in a in a box. And... uh that creepy look on her face is just like, you know, I really like the character and we don't really know much about her, but she puts off so much on him just the way she looks. Well, and know? the dialogue was great, Jim, because like she, throughout the episode, right, that, that scene where they introduce her, she's glitching and she can like see the temporal, whatever inconsistencies that are going on. And the way they wrote that dialogue, I thought was very natural. Uh, she was glitching like she would come and align and see something that's actually going on in front of her and talk about it, but then she would kind of wander off. Did you notice, and I don't think we're going to get to this, so I'm going to bring it up now, that she made a reference to being lost in the forest? Oh, I, no, I didn't catch that. that. I must she have missed did that. Go back, go back and watch it with subtitles. At one point, she mentions just before Picard talks to her, right at the end of her sort of glitching out, she mentions being lost in the forest. And I was like, what? So the Borg used the mycelial network to travel around? I don't know, man. All I know is that it was absolutely in the dialogue. It's in the subtitles. Go check it out. Let me know what you think. Huh. Well, mycelial network is somewhat similar to the Borg uh, transport trial. <clears throat> the mycelial network is similar to how the Borg travel. Well, that's that's interesting because then that means that the the rift that opened up uh, could have been a tear in the mycelial network or something, possibly. Uh, I, I didn't catch that, but uh, we definitely another thing we have to talk about is is Picard's room of of skulls. Was that not? I want to bring up in there. At one point, she said, time is broken, split. 
And she said, there's a divergence in time. And I love this quote. The fiction of what if, when she's describing the timeline. Interesting thought of what's going on right now. And she did say, she did say, uh, she did refer to Picard as Locutus yet not. Right. Yep. And she did the same thing with uh, Seven when she saw her. She like, yeah. was kind of like, she's both and. Very interesting. So what did you guys think about the Room of Skulls? we got to talk about that. Oh, baby. So, oh, man, I've seen so many pictures of those. Yeah, if you haven't seen this, there are some great articles online that kind of break the Room of Skulls. And um, it's all the heavy hitters. It's all the heavy hitters. I mean, they talk about Ducat and Sarek and Martok on the actual show. But, of course, we see a Ferengi. Um, we see uh, a, uh, a Linus character. Uh, I can't remember what his race is called, but we see one of those. We see a Borg. Um, we see some crazy race called the Metallus. Uh which has this like crazy shaped face. Um, that was just really cool and totally reminiscent of what Jim from discovery. From discovery of Lorca's room, uh, his menagerie of grossness, right? Like it was, very oh, that's right. That. Yeah, that's right. He Lorca even had a Gorn skeleton. He did. And so it seems that, like, people in these alternate universes like to collect trophies from the races that they killed and put them on display. Yeah, I mean, I just thought that, you know, we, we if we're going to talk about that, we have to mention the Room of Skulls. For sure. I mean, definitely have to mention that. And that what about... have bones in their ears. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I, you know, I, I heard a lot of fans were complaining about that, and they were complaining about no. the, the Borg that had the eye implant on the skull. And I'm like, you know what? How else would you denote that's a Ferengi if you didn't have a semblance of the ears on there? Well, and, and first of all, we have plenty of examples of um, cartilage that can, can, that is semi-flexible that those are sorts of, we already know Ferengi ears are flexible. So we have to assume that the bone that we're seeing there is not bone bone, not rigid bone, but, flexible Ferengi bone that likes to be caressed every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, that umox. You gotta have that umox. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and what about Q hitting Picard? Uh, totally like, justified. Like, honestly, oh my in, the God. Same, in the same way that I'm okay with uh, sure effing, uh, 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 effing hubris, like I was cool with that, I was actually because Picard was just like blah 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 blah, and and Q was like, "Dude, shut up and listen to what I'm trying to tell you right now." I thought it was great. But I mean, it's completely it's completely a devolt. It's like not oh, yeah. like a Q that we've we've never seen Q get physical before. He is unhinged. Yeah. I is mentioned unhinged. it to Eric. I mentioned yeah. this to Eric last week, and I said, I think the reason that Q is now hitting people is because Cisco hit Q after and woke, him, woke up his rage. <laughs> that could be. That could, that, that, that could be. That's, 
anything but it is just possible. Shows you how, like, it, like they have turned. Uh, one of the cool things that this season is doing right now is they're taking Q the trickster, and they're turning him into a character that's not just a, a, for lack of a better term, a Loki right now, right? Not a Marvel Loki, but like a, like somebody who's just constantly goofing around and trying to screw people with things. They're giving him a little bit of depth here, and even when Picard says, "Q, you're not well." And Q ignores him and looks really angry about it. So they're giving Q these new layers now that I think are so rich. And really the only reason to bring it back on the show, right? Every single trickster story told, let's give him some depth if we're going to bring him back. And he definitely has that for sure. Absolutely. And something else that Guinan, or not the Guinan, but the uh, Borg Queen, tells Picard to go find the Watcher in 2024 in San Francisco. The Watcher. Now, um, in the trailer... Los Angeles, not San Francisco. Yeah, Los Los Angeles. Um, The Watcher has white eyes. And I immediately thought of the Watcher from the Marvel Universe, because in the comic books, the Watcher has white eyes. I'm thinking, the Watcher? That's something completely new for Star Trek. We've never... We had the Guardian of Forever, but he's not really a Watcher. Um, so Wait, now there's, there's, how do we how do we know the Watcher has white eyes? How do we know that? Because in the trailer, in the trailer, the the person there's a couple characters with bright eyes, right? With and white eyes, that, exactly. You think the Watcher? Well, because when no. she says it and they show the clip, that's what you see. Uh, interesting. Well, I will and say it's like, a lot of people. Yeah, go ahead. And it's like, what what is a watcher? Is 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 Guinan a watcher? Is a watcher someone yeah. that travels through time and makes sure time doesn't get screwed up? I mean, we've I mean, never had a watcher oh, on Star Trek before, so I'm just curious to to know what you guys oh, think a watcher in Star we Trek. The Maybe he's the traveler. That could be. That very well yeah, could I mean, be. Before, before you said the white eyes thing, like where where my mind had gone was that on Star Trek Discovery, uh, we, we know very little about Kovic. And last episode, Kovic was like, uh, you guys deal with that. I've got some more important stuff to take care of. And if Kovic or somebody like him was a member of some sort of that, you know, kept track of time incursions, or that kind of thing, uh, perhaps a la Gary 7, maybe Kovic could be connected to this Picard series somehow, but but Jim hadn't, hadn't considered the fact that there is the white-eyed guy in the trailers um, who who maybe is the Watcher, but my but whole know theory what? had been that maybe Kovic well, is the guy who they're talking about. But wait a minute. It's it, it's it very well could be because Kovic is the only one that wears glasses, and perhaps the glasses mask the white eyes. I mean, maybe it could be. I mean, it just seems to me that like the way that he behaves and his knowledge of the past and kind of just his whole jam has a very vibe to me. Especially having read a bunch of these comics, as you, as you all know, you know we review the uh, the Star Trek comics as well. There was a really great uh, line in the year five comics here that involved Gary Seven, and it developed his character quite a bit more. And I don't know, I'm just getting some strong flavor. I don't know if that's right or not, but yeah, we're, we're like I said, uh, I haven't seen tonight's episode yet, but 
interesting, interesting concept that they're introducing the Watchers into Star Trek. Just, I'm curious to see where they go with that. And something it makes else. It's a very fun uh, storytelling. So, who is Adam Soon? We see a statue of him holding up uh, the globe of Earth over his head, and um, we know that Brent Spiner is going to be playing a character other than Data. We knew he was going to be playing a Soon. Obviously, it's Adam Soon that he's going to be. Well, it might be it might be Adam Soon because we don't know the, the statue. We don't know the the age of that that statue that we see, but. So we know that he's going to be playing Adam Soong, and we know that Q, from the trailer, goes to Adam Soong and hands him a little blue capsule, and I'm assuming that's what changes everything. I mean, I don't know yet because we haven't seen it, but Adam Soong seems to be the guy that's going to make all the changes. Yeah, I kind of have a little theory about that, actually. <clears throat> yeah, go ahead, David. Since this is a comp- Besides, since this is a completely separate uh, timeline in the same time zone or whatever universe, um, I have a feeling that Adam Chung is actually the very first android. So data doesn't necessarily exist, but since Adam is also the name in biblical reference for being the first man, you know, maybe he's supposed to be like the first android that is apparently who looks human but is running around, you know, doing whatever they do. So I don't know. He could, could be playing a different android is what I thought. That, that's, that's, that's as good a theory as anyone I've heard so far. Absolutely. Well, we've, we've got artificial intelligence, though, because we do have the V8. The V8 yeah. didn't survive on Mars, did survive here. Yeah, and they have absolutely been made into that slave race that the, we talked about in season one, but in this timeline, yeah. they actually are slaves. Uh, what's his butler's name? It's like Henry or something, isn't it? Or Harvey? I can't remember. Harvey. Harvey, yeah, like the rabbit, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's a, it's a very interesting take on, on Star Trek, I think, for sure. Yeah, I mean, they're just kind of still unraveling the mystery here. So I think there's a lot. I I think it's very intriguing what they're doing with it right now. But we're all just kind of like, ooh, I just want to see the next episode because why is that the way it is? And why is that the way it is? It's a great what-if story. And did did, did you guys catch General Sisko? Yeah. Yeah, they did mention that. They mentioned that. And Into the Mirror Darkly and Yesterday's Enterprise were both mentioned, and they're both alternate universe time travel-y type of stories. Yeah, that was, so. that was cool when uh, Q said, how very Yesterday's Enterprise of you, and then he said, through a mirror darkly, which is uh, which does reference back to Enterprise, but then references previously back to Alice in Wonderland, which is also yeah. a great Michael Burnham Discovery connection. Oh my God, it's all connected. Very interesting. And the one thing that, that I noticed wickedly, wicked, I went back and watched it again just to make sure when, when Picard and Annika are on the stage for Eradication Day, it was Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, The Trial of Kirk and McCoy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it was very I mean, well, I mean, the, the crowd well, chanting Picard, uh, I think. Instead of the Kirk. Only, instead of Kirk. 
The only difference was that Picard was trying to draw it out as long as possible. <laughs> but it well, had the okay. same it had the same tier where the where the, the Klingons oh, yeah. were you didn't have the guy banging the, the electric gavel, yep. but no, no, you no, had but... the same uh set up, the tiers of people going up the side. They're all chanting. You even had the same uh droning uh drum uh, type of pounding drum music playing very like we had in Star Trek six and it, it was it was extremely Star Trek sixty. Not that that's a bad thing, okay. but it's just here's a trivia if you if you caught low, uh, if you caught Ready River not you saw the scene of that. Where did they get that where did that room come from? Where would that where that room used previously? It was Starfleet Academy. That was Starfleet Academy. Same one we used in episode one. It's interesting how you yep. get that bright feel of Star Trek Academy and you get this dark feel of the Confederacy. Yeah, it was... It's interesting how you I dressed just, that same room up. You know, uh, yeah, it's really, and, and Charles, I will second what you're saying with regards to design because they took a few things in this one and they just changed the colors and changed the lighting a little bit and suddenly you're in an alternate universe. Another good example was the La Serena itself, yeah. right? It didn't look like uh, Eddie Van Halen's guitar. It was like black and gray and looked honestly badass. Uh, but, uh, you know, just yep. the way that they kind of like dulled it out and made it look like something different. So I, I'm all about that. It's it's the subtle changes. Q says uh, back in 2024, one tiny, tiny little thing changed, and that set this whole thing in motion. So uh, very interested to see what that's going to be all about. And, and yeah, and who who is the Borg queen is the question. I've heard a lot of theories. On who's now? Remember, like, we're what do you mean? We're only well, we're only going to see two. We're only going to see two uh, two more seasons. Well, this season, which just started, and next season, and that'll be the end. But uh, the Borg Queen that shows up on the Stargazer, who is she? Yeah, oh, that heard that discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah because she's not the Borg Queen that we see hanging in the stasis field. And we've never no. seen a Borg queen that wears um, tentacles and a they, costume they like, like that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So who is the Borg queen? Yeah. It shows seven up from there. the future. The oh, future man. seven. I mean, you know, it's, is, it's, yeah. It, yeah. A lot of it's just. It's good. And, and, it uh, is good. It's, and, and folks, if you're thinking 2024 and you're thinking back to DS9 uh, and, and the Bell Riots, yes, keep thinking that way. But remember that the Watcher is in Los Angeles and the Bell Riots were in San Francisco. So I'm not necessarily seeing like a – like it's not like Picard's going to run across Cisco here. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, they I think that these are two separate So for a reason, I think, Eric – What'd you say, Nathan? Sorry. I said I think they picked this date, this year, twenty twenty four, for a reason, though. I would think so. Yeah. No, I I don't. Oh, I'm sure they've got their reason. Yeah. Well, but I'm saying, why would you pick the exact same year as the Bell Riots if that wasn't going to be some sort of connection? They could have picked any year. 
It's true, but remember that the Bell Riots were one event that happened in San Francisco, but based on an entire like societal shift that was supposed to be happening all over the United States at that point. So I guess what I'm saying is that we're not going to have them running across Cisco here necessarily, but the influences that we see from that DS9 uh, time, you know, the sanctuary cities, all of that kind of stuff, totally think that we're probably going to see that here. Yeah. yeah, because yeah, exactly. I think it's safe to assume that there's other other sanctuary cities and other riots going on besides just the Bell Riots in San Francisco. I think that would be a safe assumption. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's all – well, yeah, we won't get into the DS9 episode, but if you haven't seen it – or it's a two-part episode, actually. You should go back and see that because yeah. um, it's scarily close to what is happening right now, which I think is exactly why Picard is written into that. Whoa. Guys, I just had something interesting to think of, uh, say. <laughs> I just thought of it just now. You guys remember that DS9 episode where they went back with Tribbles and Tribbles? Uh, Tribbles and Tribbles? Yep. <laughs> and they, they kind of like CG'd all the ca- characters in there and stuff. Not saying that they might do that for Cisco for this series, but they kind of altered things a little bit compared to the original Tribbles, Tribbles or Tribbles. So I'm wondering if they're going to be kind of altering a little bit of the Bell Ride episode by doing a little bit of like, you know, kind of like what they did with the DS9 episode and Tribbles and Tribbles. So what if they had like reason for something happening that they intercept with the DS9 episode? I don't know. I guess anything is possible. But that's the thing. We have to wait and find out, right? That's what makes it so fun. Yep. <laughs> we 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 talk about it. it. It makes us talk and communicate with each other, and and you know postulate all these ideas and theories. And that's that's what it's all about. It's kind of kind of cool that we have that. Yeah. We all share that. is fun. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So our fans, our fans scored this a nine point four. Yeah. So on the last episode of Discovery, we were we were not with the fans. We were we were um, above our fans. Our fans gave it an eight point five. So what about this one, Nate? What do you think? What would you give it on a scale of one to ten? This one's an eight for me. Not quite as good as uh, last week's episode, which I gave a nine. So eight. Eight. All right. And how about you, David? I'm actually going to give this one a nine point eight. I actually really like all the references to the, especially the skulls and the, the interaction between Q and Picard. I, I thought they did a very well job, good job with this uh, particular episode. Excellent, excellent. How about you, Charles? I think we go right along with the fans at nine point four. Good start. Let's see what they do with it. Awesome, awesome. Eric, what about you? Uh, I think my score is more in line with Nate's. Uh, this was kind of a setup episode. You know, the team is getting back together and figuring out what they're going to do. Uh, pretty solid, but, um, you know, it didn't really, like, reveal anything really cool or, like, you know, develop the story too far. So I'll, I'll give this one an 8.1. You know, and I'm, I'm right there. I loved it. I enjoyed it. It kept me interested, made me want more, but I don't think it was as good. Um as what we're going to see or what we have seen. So, you know, I, I'm going to go like a 8.5, I think. So we're a little bit below the fans. 
on this one. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's why we read the fans. That's why we give the fan scores as well. So yep. that's it. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up another show. We went over a little bit. I apologize for that, but we had a lot to talk about, and we definitely had to mention the, the Paul Wesley, Captain Kirk thing. I, I would be remiss if we just glossed over that and didn't talk about that. So um, that's why we went over a little bit, but that's okay. Next week will be our last double header for a while so we can get things back, back to the normal flow. So just hang out with us. So I want to definitely take the opportunity to say thank you to Ray and Mrs. Ray for calling and happy birthday to Ray. So thank you so much. And also thank you for, to Greg Spurrier from Star Trek Wines for calling and hanging out with us. Thank you so much. And of course, thank you to David for calling and Trek talking with us. Thank you, David. Yeah, you're welcome. It was fun. It's, it's always fun to Trek talk on a Thursday night, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes it, it's when, when Trek talking comes that, that just that's leading me into the weekend It's to kick off for the weekend for me. So, and also thank you so much to, for Nate for hanging out and Trek talking and uh, reminding me to get my tier six ship on Star Trek online. Thank you so much, Nate. Yeah. You're welcome. And uh, thank you so much to Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Well, Jim, I've gotten the point. I'm just starting to say T-G-I-T-T-T. Thank God it's Trek Talking Thursday. That's right. The weekend can come now. Yep, just got to get through tomorrow. And yep, I'm going to go watch uh, Star Trek when when we hang up here because I got to know if Burnham blows up book or what happens. So I'm going to go watch it as soon as we get off the air here. And thank you so much to Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us and to Paul for doing the fireside chats with us. Thank you so much. You absolutely, for sure. And uh, we are very lucky to have Paul along for the ride and he's having a blast. So thank you all for that. And thank you to each and every one of you guys listening, no matter where you are. We really appreciate you guys. 100,000. 970 downloads just wow Wow. thank you thank you thank you we could not have done it without you guys so thank you so so much for making that possible and head over to our facebook page truck talking and beyond give us a like give us a follow so you never miss a show and uh, we'll be back next week we won't have a star trek wine segment because of spring break but we will have our final double feature oh no we yeah we will we're going to talk about the two episodes that are on tonight, next week. So next week will be our last double feature for a little while. So bear that in mind. So everybody, please, please be safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good morning, Pastor. Let's see what's out there. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. 